0: Today, I'm speaking with Grand Prairie City Councilman and Mayor Pro Tim Mike Del Bosque. Councilmember Del Bosque was elected to represent District 3 in May 2017. Today, we are talking about how he became involved in politics and how the previous generation of community leaders, like Ms. Ruthie Jackson, helped encourage him to be more active in his community. We also discussed the new Me Park Project from the Grand Prairie Parks and Rec Department and how the innovative attitude of Grand Prairie helps encourage unity within the community and getting to know our neighbors. Councilman Del bosque also talks about how organizations such as LULAC are encouraging young people to get more involved in civics and how other community members can do the same. Enjoy! Well, good morning, Councilman Del Bosque. How are you?
1: Good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good, I'm doing good. I'm so glad that uh, we were able to finally do this because I've wanted to talk to you for a while and um, yeah. I appreciate it. So uh, you're busy today, are you Are you on your way somewhere?
1: I'm on my way back to the center. Um, let's see here, I'm on, you can see where I just went off because calls <laughs> are coming in, but I'm on my way back to the center. If, and if it happens again, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, just uh, on my way in, I uh, had to run a couple of errands, uh, meet with the city this morning. So just starting my day again, I, I have, you know, work, I have just as much time with the city as I do with my business. I mean, they mirror each other so much that it's, it's, uh it's a, a labor of love. But one takes just as much as the other. And so I'm constantly having to schedule and look at my calendar on a daily basis. I mean, it took a while for me to adjust, but now it's before I go to sleep, I'm looking at my calendar when I'm waking up, confirming what's there. And, and just using it all the time. I mean, it's um, yeah, it's an adjustment, but it's fun. There's,
0: there's certainly a reason they call it a civic duty and it's because it's not sure. easy. It's not like you just volunteer and get to show up when you feel like it, like you're committing to a lot of things and, Um, you know, I don't know that people, I mean, I'm sure people assume that people that are, that are running for, you know, office, city council, school board, especially that it's busy, but I don't know that people know how much it actually takes on a daily and weekly basis.
1: Oh, it's a lot, you know, it, it is a commitment and, you know, with the new people that have come in in the last year, just like when I first came in, um, with, uh, city staff and management asking me, you know, that it's it's a lot of work, but a lot of it is, you know, you, you get what you put into it. You know, for me, there's a lot of, there's a, uh, a lot of um, projects that I've been wanting to work on, but yeah, for the new guys, after I came in um, for, you know, Cole that came in and now uh, Dennis King that uh, he's come in, it's just me spending my time and say, Hey, look, even with John, when he came in, he came in after I did it's, you know, this is a a full commitment. This is something that you can't just say, I don't feel like it. And because if not, you're not going to be there the next time. And so it is, it's a, um, again, it's a labor of love, but it's a challenging though. It's very challenging at times.
0: So one of the things that I was going to ask you is, and I always like to know from everybody that chooses to put themselves in the political eye and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. their life, in their schedule into such, you know, to have to take on that responsibility. What, what was it that spurred you into wanting to go into being a city councilman?
1: So I, I say that, um, and, and I've, I've been asked this many times and I, uh, characterize it as this, it was passing of the torch. You know, my parents, uh, especially my mother, um, she, uh, became involved, uh, back when, um the 60s going into the 70s when they first moved up from the Rio Grande Valley, from South Texas. Um, And it was one of those things that her mother taught her. And so as, you know, in the 70s, going into the 80s, became more involved. It was something uh, that um, I was always intrigued. I was interested, but from a distance. And then when I was 12 years old, uh, I participated in my first campaign, and that was with uh, Miss Ruthie Jackson. And, um, that was, again, that was She's in the kind 80s. of
0: influential to all this, isn't she?
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. And, uh, I remember running out and putting signs, uh, yard signs out. And my dad and I, uh, he had signs the back of his truck and we stopped here and stopped there and, and then, um, got, became more involved, uh, when it was, uh, the bond for the, uh, Lone Star racetrack. Mm. And so I was the kid that was running in the limos and filling in with waters and Cokes and, they would take off to send them to go vote and I'd wait there at the uh, location and come back. So I was in there cleaning, they have chips and all that. So that's, I started on the ground level. And then as I became older started doing things behind the scenes, you know, high school, you know, I was interested, but you know, as a young kid in high school, that wasn't my first thing, you know, but it was intriguing from a distance. And then as years went by and, um, as years went by and, and, you know, um, I became a single parent, um, but started becoming, uh, uh, more interested, but was behind the curtain because my kids came first. And so after my kids, uh, into the, um, you know, they went, um, you know, Dubisky and South Grand Prairie, once they were juniors, seniors, and already getting out of school, I said, okay, now I'm going to go ahead and step out. And so it was something at that time, my parents were getting older in their seventies now. And they're like, Hey, look, we don't have the energy or time, uh, like we used to. and so they pretty much passed it on to me. And, and um, 2013 is really when I stepped out and uh, started getting more involved.
0: So um, I- I'm going to go back and ask you a question in a second. But, yeah. so, but I want to talk about your mom and dad for a second. So have y'all, did they move here to Grand Prairie from there? Or did they move somewhere else and then move to, like, how, where does your history with Grand Prairie with your family go back to?
1: So my parents moved here. My dad moved up here in the 60s. Uh, to work at LTV, mm-hmm. uh, from McAllen down in the uh, Rio Grande Valley in South Texas. Uh, they did a big migration of men coming up when the uh, F-16 contracts, mm-hmm. um, were here at LTV. And then, um, when on the way up here, he, uh, spent uh, six months at Baylor down in Waco for training, then came up here and was here for almost a year, then went back and, and picked up my mother and my two older brothers and my older sister. And so I was born here in 72 uh dfw hospital back then when we had a hospital right, right. <laughs> and so uh so that's where it all started and and where we where our neighborhood was on the east side um on the east side of uh grand prairie we called it the avenues and it was avenue a through e and each one of us you know we it was it was good back then because we called it little mexico everybody was from south texas and uh, so that's how it all originated. All of uh, where I grew up, my friends, my close friends, the majority of them, um, their parents, my parents knew each other from the Rio Grande Valley. And, you know, where they came up here to work, more opportunity, things of that, went to middle school, high school, even elementary school. Um but my parents cut a different little path for me, a little bit different, starting off in elementary. You know, most of everyone that I I, I started off at Bonham Elementary, if you remember that. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's still there, uh, right there on 14th Street. And then we went to private school. And so we went up north uh, to the north side of Grand Prairie to Immaculate Conception. Ah. And so all five of us. Fortunately, yeah, I call it fortunately. My parents say, unfortunately, I was the only one that didn't make it. So I got kicked out of private school when I was in sixth grade. And I tell you, those Irish nuns are very strict, very strict. (laughs) But from there, you know, the avenues growing up wasn't the best neighborhood. It was a a hard neighborhood. Um, So my parents moved to the south end of Grand Prairie. And that's where I went to Truman. They went to south. But, um, yeah, my parents, when they came in the 60s, there wasn't many Hispanics, Latinos in Grand Prairie. Wasn't many. And there was still, you know. Uh, there was racism and, and I grew up around racism. I'm very comfortable with it. I accept it. Um, but it was just the, 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 it was just part of the times back then. And so, you know, going to a private school back in the, you know, eight seventies and eighties and, you know, you have Irish nuns and I was in sixth grade, uh, when I met my first, uh, African American, Betty Johnson. I still remember her name. And, um, it, it was just a different time for me, you know. Uh, but for my parents, you know, they told us growing up in order for you to be successful and in order for you to adjust and get inclemented of what society is now, you have to think like them and you have to be like them. But don't forget who you are and where you came from and who is your race and, and and your your, you know, your culture and everything. So for me, I, you know, a lot of people growing up, especially when I was in high school, and it's funny because I would be called a coconut. Oh, you look Mexican, but you don't sound. I was like, yeah, because I was brought up. I was brought up when I went to private school, the time that I spent, I, you know, Spanish was not, uh, it was forbidden. And if you spoke Spanish in the hallways, I'd see my brothers and my sisters and I'd say, you know, hello to them in Spanish and they would get the ruler or they would get the ring, their, their Irish ring and hit us. So Spanish wasn't going to do it. And growing up and then going to, to Truman. Which is, you know, back then that was a new part, uh, trailwood, all that. That was a new, you know, uh neighborhood. So again, dealt with a lot of angles. So I picked it up. I said, I oh, know, I'm not gonna get in trouble. But now it's teaching my kids and teaching myself more of getting back to, you know, our culture and things like that. But, you know, being a councilman, I didn't want to move out of the neighbor of the district. You know, I still live in my district. Um, I represent my district to the fullest. Uh, because I know a lot of the people, I grew up with a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. And even, um, you know, even in this will segue into one of the questions you'll probably ask about the park and all that and the meaning of that, and the changing of that. Mm-hmm. So going back to my parents, it was, um, it was exciting. Um, it, it was very uh, different because I got to learn two different cultures and I'm still learning uh, something I'm teaching my kids uh, and as they're teaching me too. So um, being brought up in Grand Prairie, uh, and it being uh, uh, Grand Prairie for a long time being a sleep town, as they would call it, um, people would do sleep here but do everything on the outside. It's been a a um oh it, it's been very challenging but very uh, advocating. But at the same time, it's been a lot of fun to see a lot of change here because growing up, I imagine you've grown up here. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think you graduated from South. You were I what? I graduated in '91. You graduated in '92, '93. 98. Or 98, okay, easy, wow. and yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, so a little jab there, but, you know, it, it it's, it's changed, you know, the seven-year difference, but it's changed a lot, you mm-hmm. know, Grand Prairie has changed tremendously, and, and how do you prepare, and how do you work for the change, you know, so it's been good, but mom and dad have, have given me the guidance, and has shown me the path of, hey, look, to get involved, here's what you got to do, and so I, I've taken that, I've taken it and I've learned, and at times I still make bad decisions, but you know, that's all part of life, right?
0: Well, so you know, one it was so funny because you, you, I right before you brought this up, I wrote down um, a note about speaking Spanish, and you're not the first person that I've talked to whose parents were Spanish speaking. I'm assuming that they were Spanish speaking, but you, as their child, did not speak Spanish or weren't speaking Spanish or whatever. And so that's, that's seems to be pretty common of, especially the eighties and kind of maybe a stigma about speaking Spanish. Um, And so did your parents encourage you or teach you, or was it just at school that they kept it?
1: So, so they taught me at home and Spanish was my first language. But when I went to private school, And I I had nothing. I had, you know, my friends there were Anglo. I'm like, who am I going to speak Spanish to? And when I got kicked out, so I rebelled a lot. And so when I got kicked out of private school and we went to Truman, it was the same thing. Who am I going to speak Spanish to? And we'd already moved out of our old neighborhood in the new neighborhood where my parents live now, which is right across the street from where Jackson is now it was all Anglos again. So everywhere I went, it was all Anglos, very many, very few Hispanics. And the ones that I did know, they weren't speaking it either because who are we going to speak it to? Mm-hmm. So, English became my first. Uh, but my, I remember my parents when we were at home talking, talking. I'm like, and I would argue with them, why? I don't, I, once I leave the house, who am I going to talk to in Spanish? Because there wasn't that many Hispanics there at the time. But, but now, as, as my kids, you know, they're 20 and 23, uh, but when they were going to middle school and high school, the demographics have changed so much. And so it's totally different, you know? So, yeah. My parents enforced it, but I never carried it out because my friends at that time growing up, very few Hispanics. And and the ones that I did, which were two or three of them, were my really close friends. They didn't, you know, they're the same boat as I was. They're like, who are we going to speak it to?
0: Right. You know, yeah, it's, but it's, all
1: their parents are, again, from South Texas, and that was their first language.
0: Right. Yeah, it's interesting how that becomes like a, a common recurring theme when i talked to people that were had grown up in that so i'm curious so you mentioned ruthie jackson how did she influence you being a part being more civically minded and being more involved
1: so you know when i met her you know she would the first the the one thing that i remembered was she says what you're doing will change many things Mm -hmm. and i thought what does that mean
0: how old were you when you first came in contact with her
1: 12 years old.
0: 12, wow. time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that was during one of her uh, uh, city uh, as a councilwoman, uh, her campaign. And, you know, and and so at, you know, while we were doing this and my father and I were picking up, uh, we were picking up uh yard signs uh, from her house. And she said, son, what you're doing today is going to change a lot of things. And I went back in the truck. I said, dad, what does that mean? And she says, well, what you're doing and she gets in and she gets involved. We're going to be able to get involved and what you're going to be doing is going to pay off in the future. Never thinking, never knowing that 30 plus years here I am, you know, and I work alongside, uh, her daughter, you know, Miss Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, Clemson and we're on finance and government together. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's ironic in the sense of what happened so many years ago of how, you know, what's happening today. Um, So it's interesting. It's interesting at the least.
0: Was she actively? And, and I think I think Miss Ruthie is a is. She, it's very underestimated, and I, it's not underestimated in certain circles within Grand Prairie because there's certain people who couldn't forget Ruthie Jackson if they tried. She's so involved. She's so influential in so many things, but there's a lot of people in Grand Prairie that don't know who she was, and it, it cannot be understated how much she got people involved in being civically minded in this city. I mean, if there is a nonprofit that existed back in the sixties or seventies, chances are she either co-founded it or was on the board for it. And she started so many um, people into being involved in in what's going on in their city. And she, even even from, I mean, she would go into Doworth and interview citizens there back in the 70s, and mm-hmm. she has videos of this. And, um, you know, she, she was, seemed to have been very involved in all the different kinds of communities that existed within Grand Prairie. I mean, just you saying that tells me that that's true.
1: Oh, it is. You know, um, my mother and, and Miss Clemson, her daughter, you know, they're on, they've been on Lifeline for many, many years. Um, when, when Miss Jackson, Ruthie Jackson, when she had her TV show, my parents were the first Hispanic couple on her TV show. And we still have the, yeah, we still have the, the VHS cassette and, you know, yeah. So it was getting, again, my mother was the foundation of what I'm doing today. My mother, you know, uh, you know, again, she passed the torch on to me, but it's how they work together. And as kids, you know, Miss Clemson and I are working together now. So it's second generation and things of like that, but it's what she's done in the past. I mean, you think of anything as the simple things of keeping, you know, Grand Prairie beautiful, you know, um, going out to the park and, and cleaning up with volunteers. There, she's been, you know, the summit. Um, oh, the summit. You look at the summit. Um, but she's, uh, you know, she's planted so many seeds here mm-hmm. in Grand Prairie, so many seeds. And now there's so many things going on. But it's because of what she's been able to do, and her daughter, Miss Clemson, of her, you know, passing the torch and carrying the torch also, and so it's 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 um it's an honor in a way um that um I've been influenced uh in different women I call it the women's power, you know I I totally respect that ninety plus percent of my business is run by women, Uh, they have that motherly care, and so I've accepted that on as a as a young entrepreneur. Um, and I let them do the things. So, and, and I have no problems of following lead, a women's lead. I, they, they women, y'all have taught me a whole lot, <laughs> a whole lot. And, you know, uh, it says a lot coming from a man. Right. <laughs> um, but going back to Miss Jackson, oh, uh, and uh, Miss Ruthie, you know, I just remember growing up, seeing her at different events that my parents would take, take me and uh, just being a part of it, being part and learning the process.
0: Yeah. And it's, it can't be overstated. One thing that I talked about, uh, I've, I've been talking a lot about is making sure that as the next generation of adults, that we're finding those young people to encourage to be a part of the process too. And uh, it's, it's so interesting when you go back through some of the um, newspapers, uh, the Grand Prairie News and, and that, there was such a push back in the 60s and the 70s for the for kids in in, um, school to be involved civically, that they would publish the uh, newspaper in the city newspaper Uh, there, there was a lot of things that kids at that time, how they affected the community and I think that we have lost a little bit of that in the past and so being able to, to find that those people that those, those kids that want to be a part of their community and stay here. That's another thing too, is when you become civically minded and you become involved in your community, you're more likely to stay in your community and become an adult that works for that community, um, which is also really important.
1: Oh, it is. You know uh, I mentor a lot of young, young adults. A lot of kids are Family, we, we created uh, the Del Family uh, Scholarship Foundation three years ago. Last year we weren't, you know, we we didn't participate because of COVID. Um, but just this year alone, um, you know, we awarded uh, students uh, that are graduating from the ISD um, that are furthering their education, and it's not only if they want, you know, go to a university or college, but even if they want to learn a skill trade, um, mm-hmm. and, and working with those young adults. It's, um, it's always advocating that at any level of their, at any level of success in their life, the main thing is to come back home and give back is Mm -hmm. to pull the next person up. Just like I'm helping them, pulling them up to the next level of success. It's doing the same thing, paying it forward, always giving back because just like at some time we all need help Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's knowing and having to be humble to say, Hey, look, I've been through it. I've been in those trenches. Hey, let me help you out. And so we advocate that a lot, a lot of things that we do here that my family does that, again, learning from my parents, the main thing is giving back and trying to help. Now, today's young adult is a lot different from when we grew up. You know, um, they're more advanced technology. You know, uh, look what we're doing today. And, you know, I see a lot of these young kids. Um, They're so technically and and I tell them y'all are so y'all have so much advantage Versus, I tell stories when we used to have beepers and cell phones weren't around. (laughs) Now they look like, what the heck is a beeper? You know, how how could you live without a phone? What was going on? And, you know, I said, look, it wasn't that long ago. It's not like we were sending smoke signals or anything, you know, but, (laughs) but the thing is, is, is today's, you know, today's young adult and today's technology, the advantages that they have to really make a change. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I try to advocate a lot of that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, one of the things that kind of spurred me to to ask you to come talk to me was that you mentioned the Mifamia um, playground or the project. And I don't know much about it. Um, Dwayne Strong and I had a conversation and he kind of mentioned it. And then when I saw that y'all were having a town hall, I was like, this would be a good opportunity for you to talk more about that. So tell mm-hmm. like what what is that and and talk talk a little bit more about that project.
1: So the name, uh, the name came from John Lopez. Um, We were sitting down talking about this project, and it was one of the three things that I committed on my first term of being a councilman. Me growing up in that neighborhood for many years, I would ride out there on my bike with my friends, and we would do anything from going crawdad fishing and going out there to lake to go catfishing underneath the bridge to going frogging. We'd go underneath the bridge out into the golf course. And we would go catch frogs at night and the night security would chase us around. And especially around 4th of July, 4th of July. It was because back then you could pop fireworks at the lake. And then we'd ride our bikes out the next day in the morning. First thing, everybody was like, all right, we're going to get up early. We're going to ride out there. And we would go and walk around and find all the fireworks people would lose at night. And we would pop those at night. And so we, we grew up in that, in that park over the years. And, and back then, You would have families again. This was a huge Hispanic Latino community that on the weekends, we would go out to the lake and everybody would pull their cars up and we'd have grills and everybody was eating off everybody's grill. It was a huge family, but over the years, you see that change. You know, a lot of your second and third generation move away, even though mom and dad were still there, you know, but it's getting the family back together when so it took me two years, my second year going in my first, uh, my first term. We finally got the city of Dallas to 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 bring it over into the uh, Grand Prix lines. We always managed it as a city because we knew we had weather, but we were very limited of what we could do.
0: Okay, so wait, long story on. short, say say that a little bit more because well, tell it. Where is the park going to go? Like, give us the the streets, and then you made a very important point because I know that that the part of Dallas is is a part a big part of this. So yeah, so yeah. Where, so.
1: That right there off Harvey, all of Mountain Creek has always been property of Dallas, but we maintain it because residents go there. But we're very limited of what we could do as far as first response. So Mm -hmm. that was something that I wanted to accomplish. So going in my my first year, my first term, meeting with the councilman in Dallas, Councilman Thomas, we got together, we worked the process, and it took two years to do it. Now, because of that, when we had our groundbreaking of celebrating that it's in Grand Prairie, a lot of the neighbors came and a lot of neighbors that I haven't seen in years Mm. and everything that they kept on saying. And, you know, they would say, you know, I I remember when my familia would come out here and I remember my family would come and remember this and remember that. And that's where it all originated. Wow. And so it was naming for those that have grown up, that have actually grown up in the neighborhood of how it used to be. But over the years, as things change, time has changed. A lot of bad things have happened. Ever since we've taken it over, we have stopped, or let's minimize, and I mean minimize, but we have stopped the prostitution that's been out there, mm-hmm. the drugs, uh, a lot of the abuse as far as, you know, vandalism, all that stuff, and uh, the, 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 the part, the, the, uh, the restrooms out there, we've cleaned this up. Now, we are in a revitalization stage. Now, that was our last town hall meeting, is coming with the master plan of bringing the neighborhood back out, bringing the families back out. And so that's where the name came. It's, it's from knowing that growing up in the 70s and 80s, it was pretty much 99.9% Hispanic. It's the Hispanic families coming together. And so that's where the name came out to be, La Familia.
0: That's awesome. Me so, Familia. Yeah. So are they gonna rebuild the entire park? Is that the plan or the hope?
1: It is, the plan is, it's gonna be done in phases. Uh, The first phase is right there where the parking is. Um, We're going to be putting in splash pads and family, you know, we're going to be like, for instance, there's a golf Mm course, but we're going to do a hybrid with that, with the, uh, not the golf course, but the basketball court. It's going to be a hybrid between the basketball court and to to be able to play pickleball. And so we're going to do things like that. Um, It's going to have, you know, uh, fishing. We know that because of the old air force base, that the, there's, they dump a lot of fuel, this and that, the water, you know, as long as you don't disturb the bottom of it, you can do fishing, and catch and release. But we're going to build piers that people can walk out in the pier and go fishing, catch relief on the very south end of the uh, park. There's a lot of heavy water, uh, trees and whatnot. And we're going to make a pier to walk around that to see all the ducks and birds and all the, the wildlife out there. So it's going to be done in phases, we know, and we know it's going to take a lot of money. Um, but we are going to be re, uh, revitalizing it in different phases. But the whole thing is to bring in, uh, to bring the family back out. You wow, know, uh, we're going to, yeah, I've, I've been planning with uh, environmental recycle cans, recycle boxes, things like that. Uh, I definitely want recycled to be a part of this. Uh, we do have to take care of mother earth. Um, so we're going to be putting in new walk paths, um, workout stations, all kinds of new family pavilion, Um, things that some of, you know, I know that my constituents that live in that area, some have a low income. They can't afford to go to Epic. Right. But if we bring a splash pad out to them for the little kids, things like that, that that can help. And that's what we're doing. So phase one, we will be coming out here, uh, hopefully by going into this summer, by the end of the summer, where we're gonna have uh, the first phase already coming out. And that'll be, um, definitely I'll, I'll share it with you so you can share it with everyone but we'll be sharing that on Facebook, uh, on our website, the city website, but it's going to take at least two to three phases so many years, but it is going to take a pretty penny to do it also.
0: That's amazing. I, that, that's just, oh, that's, that's so cool to see that happening. Do, do you have a yeah. lot of people really excited about it?
1: Oh, very much. Yes. Yes. And you know, we have uh, lots, lots more people that are excited versus one or two that are not excited because they're like, well, all these people are going to come in. Yeah, but that's the whole thing. That's what a park is designed and built for, right? Bring people together. But they just think of all the bad things that have happened before. Uh, but then I said, how long have you lived here? I've I've only lived here two or three years. Oh, then you don't know the, the true story. But most of it, yes. You know, honestly, um, when I first brought this to Dwayne and, and to Cheryl, i said i want to redo this park i want and they said well what do you want and i said have you ever been to clyde warren in death house i said that's what i want i want clyde warren over here and they're like whoa that's a lot of money i said and we'll take it in phases and so that is that that is like where i put it up on a pedestal clyde warren bring it in into grand prairie
0: well you don't but, even have to know, build an overpass like Clyde right, warren. <laughs> exactly
1: exactly it's but it's, it's i said look it's it's having those things having you know where uh, you can play you know the big uh you can play chess out there or checkers and having all those big things that people can just hang out you know we're going to be bringing in we have a lot of long harvey around the curb we're going to be bringing that in for parking so they don't park on the street but we're going to have areas for food trucks to come in and right in the middle of that park there's like a draw that comes down and it goes down into a little valley i said we well, can put a stage down there and that draw can actually be stadium say, uh setting To where we can have live music, we can have family night, we can put a screen out there. And when we have, especially in the fall, when the weather's nice, we can have Christmas movies, Thanksgiving movies, all these things to bring family out. You know, we, I want to be able to bring that something that because uh, uh, of how society's now, my thing is the value of family of bringing them back out to the park to not only to enjoy each other, but to reconnect with your neighbors.
0: That's, that's exactly That is what's missing there. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, having that connection with the people that you live, like that you immediately live next to and social media is great and all that's fine. But like social media does not allow for the feeling of, I know the person living next to me. I know the people that live in my neighborhood and we're going to actually spend time with each other face to face. Our kids are going to play together. You know, that is very valuable and very important.
1: You know, growing up in that neighborhood, it was so easy to pick up a baseball game or football game and we would play out there. We'd play street ball and we'd play all day. And we didn't have like today where people, kids sit in front and playing games all day, you know, totally different times. We'd go out there and pick up games all day long. And I remember growing up, every father had a different whistle and we'd play and you hear a whistle and everybody would stop and they say, nope, that's not my whistle. Keep playing. But if it was your whistle, you better get home because dinner's ready. And it wasn't anything that if you acted up, your neighbor's dad, whoever the dad, they'll get on to you, or the mother's. Now it's so different nowadays, you know, but it was a different time, a different time, you know, but that's the whole premise of bringing of naming the park that of bringing everybody back together. You know, that, that it's such, it, there's such a need and it's, it's missing out because a lot of times is you just don't know who your neighbor is now.
0: Well, and that's that's so true. And, you know, being kids, I mean, so I was born in 1980. I'm an 80s baby. You're uh, you're born in the 70s. But I think we can yes. both probably say that we had an experience of there, we went through a time in just American society where playing outside, everybody became very fearful because we started knowing the threats that existed out in the world, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, it became this idea that parents needed to be a lot more controlling over what their kids are doing, and uh, which, rightfully so. I mean, there was things going on that that were not good, and um, but I think that we're kind of coming at a place where it's like there's value in knowing who your neighbors are because. Neighbors take care of kids in their neighborhood. You can, when you have eyes on the street and you know the kids are playing with certain people and all that, there's value to that. And I think neighborhood watches and stuff like that are kind of trying to get there. But really what it is, is just people living life together as much as possible and their kids playing together. Um, And you know, when you see kids playing together and, and what's going on in society today, it gives you hope that things are gonna be okay. Because kids play together and they just want to be together and enjoy each other's company. And they could care less about any of this other nonsense. And it's just like watching them be together and enjoy it. It, it, There's something that's valuable and it does something for older generations. Their hearts need to see that, you know, we need to see that. Um, So I think that this is awesome. Um, And it's seeing Grand Prairie's commitment to revitalizing areas that especially, and I don't mean even neighborhoods, but I mean revitalizing even even a fishing hole, making something that right. people are already doing. Let's make it nicer so that people have a place to stand <laughs> when they're fishing. You know, that's a that's yeah. a huge deal.
1: Bringing the community together, it's uh, it's not only revitalizing the park, but it's revitalizing the community.
0: Hundred percent.
1: Yeah, it's a twofold. So yeah, it's good. So-
0: well, I, I know that I, I don't want to keep you for too much longer, but I want to ask you for sure, because you're, you're a big part of LULAC, and I want to talk about a little bit about LULAC, and what are some of the projects that you guys, well, first of all, for people that don't know LULAC, and I don't know who wouldn't, but what is LULAC, and y'all are a service organization, so maybe talk about what are some yes. of the things y'all are working on.
1: So it, LULAC was another thing that my parents passed on to me, um, them being involved for many years, um, I, uh, here recently, we hold our LULAC meetings here at my medical center in Grand Prairie. Uh, you know, it, it, LULAC which for those that don't for, know,
0: it's on the North side of town on, on Carrier on, uh, North, just North yeah. of Jefferson on Carrier. So north. Mm-hmm. I'll,
1: I'll give a little plug. It's 517 North Carrier Parkway. Um, and you know, it's funny because in 2015, I came the, the, the surgeon, Dr. Serquin, it was his medical buildings for many years, many years. And, um, 2015, I came to him and, and I said, Hey, I'd love to purchase your, uh, your building. And, um, sorry about that. Uh, and, and I said, I'd love to purchase your building. And he said, hey, hey, you're not ready. And I'm like, okay. So I rented a space across the street at 2018. He came and he says, I'm ready to sell. And I said, okay. And so May of 2018, you're celebrating, uh, three years now being here but the, the the full circle was when i was the age of 10, 11 and 12 my father and i cleaned this medical building oh. uh so many years ago now i own it but uh, yeah we specialize in pain management here back neck you know hips knees so that's what we do here um but we hold our monthly meetings here uh you know lulac stands it it's two pillars we advocate for education and we advocate to be proactive instead of reactive and and that's and, and so a lot of it is we're based on education. It's educating those. It's educating those Latinos that just don't know. Uh you look at uh from anything from your rights, uh, uh what you're entitled to, anything from there to COVID, vaccinations. You know, we have we do things with Unidos. That's a program that um Steve Dye, our deputy assistant manager now, but used to be our police chief back then. He created that and he brought that in from Garland when he started when he was a police out there in Garland. So lulac is a hispanic organization that we invite all cultures to be a part of but the main thing is uniting together to help those that are in need those that have the lack of knowledge to educate them on what is and what is their rights and what we can do to work here within grand prairie or uh, without north texas or much less anywhere else um we um we've been doing this we started this chapter um our chapter is chapter 22262 here five years ago with Mr. Sal Sosa, who retired from the ISD. Um, now that, and, and so our our chapter consists of John and I, who are city council members, uh, our state representative, uh, Ms. Terry Mesa, uh, Brian Fada and Gloria Carrillo, uh, which are school board trustees. So we have involvement in the community. And then we have other people that are involved that have been um, uh, Ana Coca, who's our president. She's a teacher. We have a lot of teachers, a lot of community leaders. And so now we have started our junior league that are going, these are seniors, juniors, and seniors that are at Grand Prairie High uh, going into the high schools to get them more involved. And that's where we we talk about as far as giving back. Now we're getting the young generation involved. And that way they can this. You know, I awarded nine of our um, seniors a scholarship and they'll have that scholarship uh, as long as they're going to college. Even if they get anything from their bachelors, or even if they want to be a mechanic, they'll have that until they are ready to go into the professional life. So we do a lot of that. Lulag—that is the two pillars that we stand on and what we advocate for. I,
0: I cannot believe that it's only been five years. Was there another Grand Prairie chapter or?
1: Yeah, there was other chapters in okay. the past, but those uh, that and, and honestly, those have either passed away because it was mm. an old chapter, and so those that faded away or moved away or whatnot, and so sal was the one that started it five years ago hey let's just start getting everybody together and my parents they were in the other chapter in the old Lulac for many years uh but again as to get into their upper 60s and their 70s and this and that so that's where i came in and and that um you know starting that with sal with john and Gloria and them and get just getting now it started with eight of us now we're up to a little over 30. um but it's something that is just revolving and it keeps revolving so yeah we have it um here at my medical center the third saturday of every month from uh, 11 to 12.
0: oh good okay um so yeah it was i just interviewed five of the seven valedictorians for gpsd and um two of them actually mentioned being a part of lulac um and so Good. Yeah, they're definitely, um, I think that that's amazing. And so, um, so what are some of the, um, are there, is there any like specific project or certain thing that y'all are working on right now specifically?
1: So we just went um, to an elementary school um, by, um, is it, um, oh gosh, what is elementary school by Truman? Um, it's there off of Matthew. I forgot the, the middle, the elementary school, but we just, we just, um, um, Redid the uh, cleaned out the garden there. Uh, We have our every month we have a street here in Grand Prairie off Barton that we go out and pick up trash. Um, Besides that, uh, we have our national uh, league here that we attend to that Brian or more of our, our chapter our president, vice president, treasurer they go to. But now we're getting ready for scholarships. And so we donate, uh, we spawn you know, we award some of the students there that, like you said, they've gotten some awards. So right now, what we're working on is just getting ready. Since COVID is decreasing, vaccinations are increasing. School again, students are getting vaccinated now. Is really getting implemented and threaded into the high schools now.
0: That's amazing. So that's
1: our big project right now. It's just building our, our attendance. Yeah, our
0: well, I'm, our I'm glad membership. That- That's awesome. And I'm glad that you mentioned this because the last thing I wanted to ask you was, um, you know, I know that during COVID there was, especially in the beginning, you could see a lack of news sources and information for those that were Spanish speaking. And there was a lot of, um, you, you could see that that affected the community a great deal because they didn't, you know, people that, that might not, be attuned to the regular news channels that you could sit there and listen to. They, it take, it took a little while to get into those communities. So I guess one of my questions and one of the things that i I know about this podcast, and this is one of the things that I want to do is how do you, wh- well, what are some of the ways that some of the um, Spanish speaking communities specifically um, listens to news? How do they consume news? What do they watch? And then the other thing is I want to get to a place where, I can have maybe some of the students or maybe some of the people within that community that can be doing interviews also so that they can hear, because I would, they would love to be able to hear this conversation. And so, oh, you know, do do people know about podcasts? I feel, feel like from a community standpoint of City of Grand Prairie, that's a huge challenge because a lot of people don't know what podcasts are yet. Um, but, you know, just kind of talk about that a little bit.
1: You know, your young generation now, your millennials, your nineties, uh, you know, those young adults now, they know about them, um, even up to me, but you know, the first generation know, but it's still a work in process. I can tell you this. Even when I came on the uh, city council, you know, I, that was a big change. Me being the first Hispanic, John came on, came on, even with the city, as we meet with city staff, things have changed. Changed in the last four or five years because a lot of the questions we ask now is Is that in Spanish? Is that offered in Spanish? It was never thought of because of everything, everything that has, it's just time is, you know, over time changes, right? And so a lot of things that we do now is when we have our meetings and we're rolling out things, let's say on, uh, for instance, everybody gets um, the pipeline with their water bill, right? But none of that is in Spanish but the majority of our citizens are Hispanic Mm -hmm. and a part of those are Spanish speaking. Now, do, you know, do we need to learn English? Yes. Are we in the process of it? Yes. But at the same time, a lot of the people that have lived here are, you know, Spanish speaking. So a a lot of, for us is going back to like what Lou like, you know, Unidos is advocating, educating, but it's making, it's making that building that bridge that there is a need, huge need. A lot of things, a lot of things that, for instance, when I had my town hall meeting, a lot of the stuff was in Spanish also. Um, and we still have, you know, like I said, first generation that are still here, mostly Spanish speaking. So the need is 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 huge. Getting the mindset is totally different because us on the city side, you know, a lot of our tax dollars come for the Hispanic where my business is here. Ninety plus percent of the people are all blue collar. And so educating them of what's going on, for instance, we know that in the past, you know, a lot of our literature for speeding, driving, taking your test, is that in Spanish, a lot of things that we do now, we're always constantly asked. Now there has been change. Now it's, yes, that also comes in Spanish. So we're not having to ask so much. They're just reminding us. So there is change, you know, but even at that, even at that, within the city right now, there's huge change right now before it was predominantly Anglos. Now our city management is, has Mr. Bill Hill, African American. So there's diversity now for the first time representing, getting, starting that transition of representing of who we are in Grand Prairie. But yeah, as far as educating in Spanish, having that, oh, it's, it's a everyday conversation. Yeah, but the and- good thing is, is that we're willing to have that conversation and things are starting to happen now.
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's not even just the language barrier, but it's also, you know, every community has its own interests and desires. And what do you want to hear about? What are things that you want, you know, to talk for people to talk about in your community? You know, what's, what's something that, um, you know, you want to hear about as, as, you know, the Hispanic community, what are, what are events that you want to hear about? What are, who are people that you want to hear from, you know, making sure that that's important. Um, it's something that for me, you know, doing this podcast has always been something I wanted to be more community minded is, is finding who are the people that you want to talk to? Who are the people you want to hear from? Who are people mm-hmm. in the, in the Hispanic community that are running little small businesses? How does that feel? Right. To, you know, and there's tons of, of, um, of those business owners here in Grand Prairie. Oh, and, yo, yeah.
1: yes. It, it, you know, here's the thing. You look, you talk about small business. You know, I'm small business here. A lot of what we do drives the economy here Mm -hmm. in Grand Prairie. You take, for instance, you look at Trader's Village. Now, Right now, when the weather's good, you can't get anywhere. You can't go down Arkansas, 360, Mayfield, any of the great southwest. People are congested. And you look at the population of the – and you know what? The city makes tax dollars. A lot of what we do here in Grand Prairie is driven by the Latino-Hispanic community that make tax dollars for the city, restaurants that are opening up, things of that nature, you know? So what what are we doing to give back and advocate back and educate? You know, I, I mentioned you you know, that's a monthly meeting that they have here at the Grand Prairie, uh, the main Grand Prairie uh, um, library here. That's something that would, I would ask, go over there and just attend, just to see, because everything they talk about is how to help the, the the Spanish speaking out. You look back months ago when ICE was making arrests and they didn't know, hey, and legalization, all this. We had we had um, uh, immigration attorneys there. You know, again, it was uh, uh, the brilliant thought of Steve Dye coming in and say, hey, look, we know, and we're not going to advocate ICE here, but we know you need to get educated. And he brought people in. And some people were a little, you know, I don't know if I want to go in or not. I don't know if I'm going to get arrested if they got the paddy wagon in the back. But it was the thing of, look, we're reaching out to y'all. I was there. Mayor Jensen was there. We were all there to support saying, hey, look, we're here to help y'all out. And so that's a lot of it there is just people getting together. I know so many people that would love to do a podcast with you and bring up a topic and do it in Spanish. That could be easily done. Easily done.
0: Man, I would love that so much. I mean, even even think about how many um, in that community are property owners And understanding your tax bill, just something that simple. What do you, what do you have as rights as a property owner? What are, how do you understand how you pay your taxes? You know, those are conversations that most, a lot of people don't know anyway, but those are conversations that need to be had um, and making sure that everybody's aware. And I would love to find people that would, that would interview because I don't know everybody that exists in this city. So,
1: and I And and I guarantee you there is a percentage of Hispanic homeowners that do that are 65 and older that do not know about the homestead act that their taxes are locked in at that time and they don't change. And I guarantee you because they don't know because they can't read English and whatnot that they're still paying because they're not they haven't signed up for it. I said there are, I mean, I can even speak to as far as my mother, she's a beautiful woman, 78 years old. I call her big mama, even though she's about four foot tall, but she's a power. She's a tower of power, I say, (laughs) but she, she does a lot of that, you know, and she would love to come in, but you know, you look at, I look at my father, right. And so he's always on his phone and he's always either on, you know, looking at the news or what's happening here or playing a game. And my mother says, Hey, you're always on the phone. And I said, mom, let him be on there because Hey, he's learning today's technology. Not only that, but it keeps his mind going. Because mm-hmm. if not, if he's going to sit there on the couch, you know, he's 80 years old. He's going to sit there. As, you know, he's going to start dying. You know, I'm glad that he's, you know, dementia not going to happen. You know, Alzheimer's not going to happen because his mind's going. But a lot of that also, there's a lot of people out there that just don't know. And so how do we build that bridge? How do we make that connection, especially to the Hispanic Latino community, about things as you like you're talking about taxes, things that they can advocate for, things that they can learn of what they can do. And they're allowed to do. They yeah. just don't know. So what do they do? They stay in the shadows, right. and it doesn't help them at all. And so for us, it's like, for instance, for us, trying to get the vote out, right? And so for a lot, a lot of the Hispanic was, uh, a lot of the, the you know, Hispanics were like, hey, I don't want to get bothered. Let me just go to work. Let me just come home. But it's their kids and grandkids that are wanting to be more active in the city, that are pulling out their grandmother and grandfather to come out and vote. And so they're getting them to get educated because they can speak to them in Spanish. Now they're becoming more active. And so it's following that same line of, hey, look, who can we get in here to make the connection? But outside of this, anytime you want to meet, I can do introductions. Honestly, would love for you to come out to our next LULAC meeting so you can meet other people in the community. And then I would love to take it from there.
0: Yeah, I would love to. Um, So just a couple of seconds. You can, since we brought up the homestead exemption, uh, Mayor Jensen sent out um, a notice for anybody that hasn't seen it, um, that he's going to encourage, what is he encouraging? The increase of the homestead exemption, I believe is what he said. And then drop the tax rate. Um, So I did a little bit of search, me being a real estate agent. I did a little search because I don't think people understand. So, so we have a school, we have the school uh, district is one taxable entity. And then the city is another taxable entity. So when, when mayor Jensen talks about this, he's talking specifically about the city portion of our taxes.
1: Correct. And so Mm
0: -hmm. the, the homestead exemption that exists within the city is not something that every city actually offers. I started looking around and like Cedar Hill as an example, does not have a homestead exemption for their city taxes, but grand Prairie since for the last, I think it's five years, the, the homestead exemption first became $5,000. Now it's increased to $25,000, I believe. So it has risen massive amounts of incremental Correct. increase. And so that's amazing. So thank you <laughs> as a city council. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so if you want to talk about that for a second, I think that's something that people need to understand.
1: It's, it's you know, coming out of COVID, um you know it it it's several parts of this couple of parts main thing is coming out of covid a lot of people aren't doing a lot of things you know we we saw the economy drop we didn't know exactly what was going to happen but to even at that because we generate a lot of it on taxes you know what we're able to do you know um what we're having to do because of austin cutting what we our budget is we went from eight percent down to three and a half how are we going to be able to do things we actually had like job freezes within the city police fire equipment first responders equipment very important but we were we've been able to survive because of new developments growing things of that even though covid slowed us down you see the growth throughout yeah. with that being said that helps us not to come back to those and say hey we got to raise your taxes mm-hmm. so for us in this transition of getting out of covid surviving that what's happening down in Austin, cutting our taxes there or, or what we can do. Um, how, do we be, how do we exist? And so for us as a city, we have to become very um, competitive. You, know, you look at what's happening in Arlington, the stadiums, Texas Live and all that, what are we doing? You know, we're able to start developing 161, I-30, I-20, you know, 360, all that stuff, 287. So for us, we're becoming more competitive, which rolls over to all, all of our citizens and all of our homeowners. So not to get into too much debt, but the big picture on a broad stroke is what we're doing today is going to affect what's going to happen tomorrow. And Mayor Jensen came out of this is just, you know, one of the things that we can do. And like you said, when there's other cities around us that are not, are not doing it or never done or not going to, we've been doing it for many years. So it shows the value that we put back into our community as, hey, again, giving back and saying, hey, look, yeah, things are changing but look what's happening on the big picture you know right now you know real estate it's a huge you see the market now you know but as the economy is going to be changing there's going to be you know right now it's kind of a shortage of houses you know and what (laughs) what is your experience two to three days that they stay on the market oh yeah you know and and a lot of times they're getting what they want if not more Mm -hmm. and so with that being said the cost of everything is going up You know, you look at lumber, you look at concrete right now. Oh, yeah, it's insane. You know, the price is going up. And so how can we help? And this is just a small thing, but it's a way of saying thank you. Thank you for staying there. Thank you for being a resident. Thank you for supporting.
0: That's amazing. Well, I just really appreciate your time. And I would be happy to come to a Lulac meeting. I think that would be really fun and um, really educational for me. um, Because I personally want to know what what, how this podcast can grow into that. And those, you know, I've also had conversations with Matt Lowe within the Asian community, because that there's another, you know, community that that's part of our city. And um, it's just really awesome being in a city that is this forward thinking about things. And well, we've come to a place where this has become how we're, you know, how we're um, thinking about things, just thinking about, you know, honoring communities, being more diverse and uh, really honoring that diversity. And I think we're doing a pretty good job.
1: Oh, very well. You know, Matthew and I, we, uh, we talk time to time. We visit, we see each other and, you know, we, we're both on a board that's called the International Corridor. And what we're doing, we're that's working awesome. with, uh, and, and, and it's, it's, it's working with Commissioner Allen, Tarrant County, with Commissioner Garcia, Dallas County. And it's bringing the East, the Asian community over to the West and the Hispanic community. It's along the corridor of Pioneer. It's what's happening there in uh, Collins and Pioneer coming all the way, Pioneer and Beltline. And it's creating that walkability to where we're going to start making it to where people can walk to restaurants, to shopping again. And that ties into the, it, it, you know, we went over our first plan and that ties into to walkability to go into the park, to meet the park. So in the months to come, we have another meeting here in a couple of weeks of looking at the design. But once you see this, you're going to say, wow now this is going to be the wow factor you talk about game changers bringing not only grand Prairie and arlington together because we've been working so well Mm -hmm. but bringing the community the different cultures together you know we have like at 161 the overpass 161 and pioneer all those pillars they're going to be designed and painted to different african-american aztec uh uh, indians the pyramids different nationalities of having resemblance along that corridor so this is going to be vibrant in colors it's going to be just it's just bringing everything out so it's really cool what we're going to it's a heck of a project that's really going to make a session especially since we're mid-city
0: yeah so
1: it's going to be fun and as for you as a realtor you're going to say wow guys this is you know a lot of people are going to be able to make some money yeah it's it's, a good thing it's it's really exciting
0: that's that's really exciting so well thank you so much councilman Dobasque. i appreciate your time
1: thank you thank you you for having me i know again we've been (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm still here looking like, okay, The so it's kind of the rain has uh, died down a little bit, but yeah. we're good. But yes, I will reach out to you when we have our next um, our next meeting our, our, on that Saturday. And then yes, please come. I'd uh, love to host you here. And definitely we can talk to the staff or the, uh, the members here of what you do and how we can make that connection.
0: Perfect. That would be awesome.
1: All right. Good, enjoy your good, day. Good. Yes, you too. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.